I just want to start with my dog, Nigel. Some of you have been to my house and you met Nigel. He's about a 10-year-old. He was supposed to be a little Yorkshire Terrier. But since we got him from Rogers Extravaganza Market, <laughs> for whatever reason, they did genetic enhancement. And as he grew from a little Yorkshire Terrier, he just expanded out to a much larger Yorkshire Terrier. Matter of fact, I thought after he got to be 26 pounds, I don't think that's a Yorkshire Terrier. He's got some schnauzer going on there. And it became obvious to me that whoever sold us that dog misrepresented that dog. And whenever I, when my wife asked me if we could have him, I said, no. Don't want a dog. Don't want the responsibility. And her and my kids just kept asking and asking. Finally, I said, okay, you can have the dog. But I don't want anything to do with him. We got the dog. He sized up the five people that were in front of him. And he decided that one is the one. And I tried to shrink down as much as I could. But he said, no, you're the one. And I'm like, I don't want a Yorkie. And he's like, I'm not a Yorkie. But I didn't hear that. I didn't understand how dogs talk. I'm not the dog whisperer. But in hindsight, I remember him saying that. And that would have been my first clue right there. This one was not going in the direction I thought it would go. Well, just fast forward some years ahead. And he and I are best friends. And as uh, each day goes on, we have a ritual that we do. In the morning... He wants me to throw a shoe or a sock or my wife's stuff. You know, it really flies well. And then he wants to bring it back to me. He wants me to chase him. And I'll do that until it's time to go to work. And then I'll say, Nigel, I hate to tell you this. And already he's tuning in. And I can see he goes from being all excited to neutral. Like what's coming. And then I say these words. I have to go to work. And the ears just go down. His head goes down. And he goes and he lays on this rug that uh, keeps his backside warm so he doesn't to sleep on a, on a hardwood floor. And he just looks at me as I walk out the door. Like you're abandoning me. I have to go through that trauma every day. <laughs> so I don't even look. I'm just like I know betrayal is happening again and again and again and I know that when I leave he's going to be right about the same area waiting for me and as soon as my car drives into the driveway he's so tuned to Michelin LTX tires on gravel he knows I am home and what's so fascinating about how he responds is what he brings me because he's always got something I'll open up the door and there he is and in his mouth is my shoe sock wife's high heels anything that he can bring me as a gift because he's so excited that he's been waiting all day for me to get home and that ritual just never changes. It's like, Nigel, we do this thing 
every day. And you bring me the same thing every day. And I'm like, but because he is so excited about it, I get down there in his face and I say, thank you so much for my shoe. I always wanted my shoe. And with him, it's not what you say. It's how you say what you say. And he just feels so good. His little tail's wagging. Because at Rogers, they dock their tail, you know. Only they didn't dock his tail real well because it was like that long. And I'm like, I'm not sure what that is, but it'll do. And I kind of shoo him on and I say, you know, I got to take my coat off and put my, my, uh, my, my case down. And then he just wants me to get in his face and rub him and pay attention to him and show some love. And that is our ritual, day after day after day after day. But the hard part about that ritual is that in between time, when I'm not there, because there's a part of me that wonders, what is he thinking whenever I'm not there? Is he thinking, will he ever come back? Or is he solving some kind of complex physics equation like, hmm, I wonder if you do that and you do that. Or is he just sitting there blankly staring, brain in neutral, just waiting like a statue, not even alive, just waiting? Or is he saying, folks, he's gone and it is time to party. Now that could be too. Or the other possibility is this. There are two cats. I'm a dog. I'm bigger than those cats. And we're going to have some fun. Or at least I'm going to have some fun. They're not. And it's going to be fun bullying these guys until he comes back. And I always wonder why the cats are so traumatized when I get back. I can only assume that the last explanation is probably the best explanation based on their response. I mean, they get this look in the eye like, you've left us. Only it's like, you've left us and that beast has... We don't even have words. And I just have to wonder, in that in-between time of waiting what that dog is thinking. Now, let's just zoom out of the dog world for a minute to ours. And there was 400 years between the time that God said to Malachi the prophet, we're done here now. To people just waiting and longing and hoping, wondering. Meanwhile, there are bullies bullying God's people there are people partying it up because God's not around. There are people who are just kind of staring off into space saying, we don't know what to do without God. And there are people who are just trying to solve all of their hard problems without God in the equation. And for every one of those situations that God is seeing in the lives of the people who are waiting... He knows that the questions that they're asking, he has an answer for. All of them. And I like to solve problems and I like to have questions answered like anybody. 
But the way he's answered this question for those people who are waiting isn't what they expected. It wasn't that they thought that God wasn't going to solve things because many people did. Other people, they just gave up. They quit hoping. And in the book of John, the opening chapter, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And if you read the opening verses of the Old Testament, the very first pages of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created everything. And he spoke it into being. And when he did, we had the galaxies and the sun and the moon and the stars and we had this planet and we had the water and we had the land and we had night and day and then we had plants and animals and everything that went to make up that experience except for one thing that kind of became two things. There are no people. And God said on the final day of making things, I'm going to make some people and these people are going to be so special they're going to rule over it all. And as they do, the only person that they have to be accountable to is me, their God. Well, if you've read the Bible or you've heard the stories, we don't always do what we're supposed to do, do we? You know, because I, I didn't tell you the other thing that Nigel does. I don't know how it happens, but whenever I leave the house, occasionally... He'll go into the bathroom and decide to dismember the waste paper basket. And I'll come in and he'll look at me. And the enthusiasm isn't quite as strong as it normally is. And I'm so clueless I'm not paying attention. But then when I go into the bathroom I'm like, that explains your lack of enthusiasm whenever I came in. You did something you shouldn't be doing. And you can just see his ears. I mean, he's very expressive. His ears kind of turn in like that. And there is a sense of shame in the air. I mean, it's palpable. And as Nigel is looking at me, it's sort of like the next question, isn't it? You and me? What are you going to do? Well, what do you do? What do you do to a dog that disobeys? I mean, I don't beat dogs, so I can't do that. I, I'm a pastor. I can't be mean. What do I do? Well, I just go in and I clean up the mess. And I say, don't do that again. Wait till your mom comes home. <laughs> it's fun being the good cop and somebody else can be the bad cop. So I pass it on. And I think people felt like God was just passing it on to the sacrifices, the animals, the things that were doing the dirty work in the Old Testament. And then God said, no, I'm going to own this one. And we're going to start by becoming one of you. See, in the Old Testament, God created everything, including us, the end. In the New Testament, John says, God's made all of that now he's going to do something super spectacular, something impossible. He's going to take this lame situation and he's going to ornament it in such a way that you would never imagine that it was that before he got a hold of it. And he's talking about you and I. 
and he's saying, I have something for you. And the only way that I can give it to you is to become one of you. So God does the most dramatic thing he has ever done, and that is he becomes one of us. In the most humble of circumstances you could imagine. Now, any kids in here have a younger brother or sister? When they came into the world, let's be honest, were you okay with it? Perhaps at first. But when my daughter had our son come into the world, her world, her world, he was a pretty fun play toy for just a little while. And then her comment was, she's very verbal, when is he going back? But there is no going back, there are no take backs here, people. It's a once and done. And God is looking at our situation and he's saying, I'm in it for good. I'm going to become one of you and it's going to change everything because after I am here, I am the only begotten son of God and I'm going to begin something new and dramatic. The Bible in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only begotten son, which doesn't mean a whole lot to people except for the fact that it literally means the only one of its kind. The only kid of its kind. You know, Mayim thought, I'm the only one of my kind. I'm the, I'm the little more larvae that's growing up into a girl. And she believed that until he came around and wrecked it. But all of a sudden, life is kind of funny because love, joy, hope, peace, time has a way of changing us. And Jesus came into the world and he embodied all of those things. And his goal was to change us by becoming one of us. And when we light the candle, we realize people were waiting they were longing. They were like, Nigel, when's he going to come back? And I remember painfully a stretch of time whenever I was in kindergarten and we lived in Illinois and my dad went back to California and my mom said that he's doing some construction work out there. So I'd always be waiting. When's he going to come back? When's he going to come back? When's he going to come back? And then there's a part of me that started to say, is he ever going to come back? And I waited and waited and waited and waited. And then he came back. And that deep sense of longing for someone that you, well, you never know what you got until it's gone. And then when it's gone, you're like, oh, there's something I'm missing here. And God was gone for a while. And he was hoping that when he came back, we would be ready. We would be prepared. That we'd want him to come back. That we were longing for him to come back. Because we didn't know what we had until he was gone. And now that he's here, we cannot celebrate enough. 
sometimes we look at our circumstances and we get bored and we get unappreciative. We look at the Bible and we say, yeah, that's an old book, but we live in modern technology. But that old book has a way of bringing us into a space where something deep inside of us says, I want to be a part of that. And God said, I'm going to make you a part of it because if you believe in this Son as your Savior, you can be a part of my family forever. And the reason why this church is here is because we believe that promise and we believe that Jesus enables that to happen. I'm so glad that Nigel is a part of our family. And I'm so glad that when I open the door and he comes running at me full bore, bearing gifts, that all he wants to do is spend time with me. And he's like a night... You know, like, I honestly believe there's a dog magnet in, in, embedded in my leg right there. Because I'll sit down and he'll go right there. And I'm like... We have this whole couch. Give me some space for crying out loud. Nope. Right there. All evening. All night. <laughs> Repeat the cycle. But notice, I'm not pushing him away. I'm saying, I kind of like this too. You see, when God's waiting... It's not because he doesn't miss us. And it's not because he doesn't want us to be a part of his world. To the contrary. He wants us to be a part of this world, his world, more than we want to be a part of his when we miss him when he's gone. He loves us that much. And he longs for us to be close to him all the time so he can be close to us. I think that time when my dad had left for a while was a time of just getting ready for us to be back together as a family. And it was interesting. Things started working better when that happened. As an adult, I saw a lot more going on there. But I realized that time in between created the conditions for the things that needed to happen to happen. When we celebrate Advent together, it is our way of saying, help us to appreciate what God has done for us because it is powerful.